Hello everyone, welcome to the Top Gear magazine podcast and another one in our series of tales from the Top Gear archive, otherwise known as That Time We. So today we're going to be talking about that time we drove or visited 15 countries in four days in an Aston Martin DB11. It was... Uh, at the time, the way we framed it was as a sort of trade mission. So it was one of my stories in the magazine way back in 2016, yeah, I think it was. I th- yeah, August 2016, I yeah. think we did it. And Rowan had the uh, dubious pleasure of photographing this one. So it was him and I, literally just the two of us, wasn't it, on a mission to cover as many countries as possible in Europe. Yeah, there had been a, a, a big um, referendum. Uh, you may have heard of it. it about something called Brexit, yeah. um, whether England or, or the UK should leave um, the EU, and we had voted to do so. So we thought, well, just before we we do leave, we need to show them something British that's great in design, engineering, manufacturing, what they're missing out on. So we thought we'd go to as many European countries as we could uh, in one go, which to begin with, I think the list was 17 that we aimed for because we wanted to start in Brussels, the home of the EU, and then go from there. And looking back at it now, this is when we were a lot younger, a lot more (laughs) stupid, and didn't really understand geography that well. well. So did did you plot a route, or was it just a case of... We didn't just completely wing it, Ollie. (laughs) Come on, we're professionals. So just to to (laughs) rattle them off, the the hit list was... It was to finish in Athens, basically. Brussels to Athens and as many countries in between. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Which is Luxembourg, France, Germany, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Austria, Italy, Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Bosnia, Romania, Bulgaria, Macedonia, and Greece. Try saying that three times after a couple of check pints yes exactly yeah. and the car for this grand tour was what exactly the aston martin db11 so that was the then that, new that was brand new in fact mm. it was so brand new at the time the db11 i should just say to put it in context this was kind of a big inflection point for aston martin this was a this was a, a sort of new start um under andy palmer the ceo at the time so uh the db11 was the first this is before we saw the the new Vantage. Long before the Valkyrie became a thorn in their development. Yeah, no, but I think no they... it existed. So AM, it was called the AMRB001 at the time. Oh, okay. It, it wasn't called the Valkyrie yet, but right. that existed. That was a twinkle in Newey's eye. Um, more than a twinkle in his mm. eye. But this is when there were um, all sorts of plans to revive Long, uh, Lagonda, rather, as uh, this sort of luxury brand with several uh, luxury saloons and stuff. Anyway, it was a very different landscape at Aston to the one here, and the DB11 was the one that it was kicking it all off, new architecture, twin turbo V12, 600 horsepower, but a proper front-engined Grand Tour in the kind of truest Aston Martin tradition. Um, and this is kind of the grandest of Grand Tours that we that we embarked on. And it should be said, we were so it was so new the DB11 that it was actually wasn't even a quite finished car. It was a sort of a, a pre-production prototype. It looked right. It drove right. It just had one of those massive red kill switches in the middle of the dash, which looks like it's something to eject me out of the passenger seat at the same time. <laughs> Don't you James Bond. When your chat gets a bit stinky, yeah. like uh, Back, oh, it was forty yeah. seconds you wanted to hit it. <laughs> but no, it was uh, yeah a very very late pre-production car which, as we'll continue, had some issues not only with it but with the paperwork, which made this adventure slightly tougher than we had anticipated. Yeah, well, let's build up to that because um, I think they will appreciate our frustration and anger better if we sort of 
you know, cover the early part of the uh, of the drive. You touched on it earlier. The time of our lives when we did this, we've both grown a bit older. A few more lines on the face, a few more bags under the eyes. I, interestingly, this was just before I had my first child. So this is kind of summer 2016. Ruby was born just before Christmas. 2016. So I was clearly footloose and carefree. Lucy would have been pregnant at the time and I was trying to get these big journeys in while I still could. So we, Rowan and I, set off. In answer to your question, yeah, there was a plan. It was to cover, tick these countries off in that order because that was the most logical route, the shortest route to... to just popping over to the border s- yeah. and then heading straight Oh, you again. only need to just touch all four wheels um, over the border and, and that country's ticked that off. Yeah. So some, um, I think we did, uh, the first day was highly efficient, you know, covering all the the the, uh, the countries in Northern Europe. We all were... the bit of like slightly beigey ones with <laughs> okay motorways, which has kind of vanished past. And the, the DB11, because we hadn't been in that new, new inside, which remember, this is the first integration of Mercedes architecture, oh, yeah, which was dated at the time, even for, for the car. But when you get into a, an Aston like that, the leathers, the stitching... It had those phallic door handles, which was just of interest, and you could just ting your f- fingertips against Not those. yourself. And yeah. uh, slightly, and I always remember the indicator noise because it just sounds like a biro being tapped yeah. on a like <laughs> on a on a leather sofa. <laughs> yeah, we just tick those off, and we're like, oh god, this is going to be easy. You know, it's an absolute absolute yeah. winner of a, a of an automobile to cruise across Europe, which seems fanciful now. But then we got to m- the middle of France, and we I remember we went up to uh, a lovely mountain which had a one of those gravity sled thingies, whatever they're called, luges. Yeah. And then I just heard it splutter. Yeah, the engine started... To, the way I described it in the feature, which actually jogged my memory quite nicely, is it basically this beautiful, creamy V12 suddenly turned into a non-turbo uh, 1.9 diesel. Um, just re- super rough and there was absolutely no power, no boost. It was in limp mode. We pulled over and, uh, you know, there's a point where you look at each other and you think, this is it, isn't it? This we're going to have over. to go. We're back to the office, tail between our legs. We've got a few... How many countries? Two and a half. Uh, at that point, no, at that point we'd done Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg and France. I mean, not really the trade mission we were after wasn't the ambitious cover feature you were hoping for. So at no. this point, did, did you have like a fleet of Aston Martin technicians in a helicopter hovering overhead waiting for this to happen? No. So we were we, we were actually Son's support car, but it just happened there was an Aston engineer somewhere in the middle of France. He must have been returning from some sort he of testing. He was coming from Germany, I think, and then oh. we just kind of diverted him. Diverted him. So we sort of parked up in the nearest hotel. He came and fixed the car overnight. And we were all good to go in the morning. It was fine. However, we hadn't planned because we basically had a return flight from Athens Airport uh, four days later from the start of our journey, and we had to make that flight. It doesn't matter what happened in the middle, we just had to make that flight. And <laughs> we were all constantly on Booking.com and various other hotel services to try and work out where to stay. We were completely, we had a wad of cash and some pants, and then we would just work it out. This yeah. is how we used to do it. And some camera gear, because we had to get a cover shot and various other bits mm. and pieces. However, this slight delay, having to wait for the engineer and being stuck in France, meant the next morning we had some serious countries to catch up on. And 
it was one of the most extreme, not extreme drives I've done, but they were stupid when you just think of the, the distances of like, not stupid in actually physically doing it. It just sounds a bit mad. We woke up in the middle of France and then we had to have breakfast in the Dolomites. So, which was like the equivalent of waking up in Land's End. And then you go, all right, okay, let's just go have breakfast in Edinburgh, shall we? Yeah, let's have breakfast. <laughs> and then after that, you go, all right, let's go back to Land's End. And that was basically what, the, the distances and the time we had to so, travel. So we yeah. So in 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 that morning with a bit of ground to cover, we uh, then visited Germany, Switzerland, Liechtenstein, which I noted here was um, the world's leading maker of false teeth. Liechtenstein, did Is you know that? that? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, there we go. Nashes from Liechtenstein. Get your teeth into that. Austria, and then we arrived in Italy. So we 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 were heading for this in- incredible pass called the Valparola Pass. You know that proper Dolomite scenery, just craggy sort of towers of rock above you. It really was spectacular. But we were in no condition to enjoy it. I remember sort of crawling to this like, um, and and God bless Italy because there was nothing for miles around apart from one little wooden shack, and we sort of crawled up to it, sort of feeling absolutely shattered. Sort of peered your head. Oh, it does appear to be a restaurant at which point they served us up a plate of pasta the most unbelievable from the gods it bowl was of carbs revived uh, you yeah, revived. Uh, my blood sugar was, I've, it's never been lower in its life and I was just I, I was a, a, a bit arsy in the car just because I was like this isn't going to work what have we done what have well, we signed us out for well, this is the beginning of, of Rowan's sense of humour failure which <laughs> fully departed um, in, in a couple of countries time because we had so much to do but this plate of pasta it was absolutely delicious and it just saved us and then we photographed because that's the thing people forget yes you can go and do these drives but when you're actually trying to do it and document it that's a whole other thing there's a lot of stress involved but actually and and actually in rowan it with your photography hat on me my problem um i've since learned to to leave a bit more time was i a slight sadomasochistic streak to me where i would organize these shoots allowing no time for sleep food photography and going look it's absolutely fine we only need to cover two and a half thousand kilometers in four days that's doable um and uh, uh, uh sorry for that rowan no basically it's fine because, because the photography which is amazing because the dolomites is just fantastic you have this tiny kind of bronzy orange aston martin a huge huge mountains uh, behind but then you go to that you go all right where should we go next okay let's go to croatia so yeah. then you via slovenia um which we did um and then we got to the Croatian border at the well late at night. I think it was. Yeah, it was late. And up, up to this late. point, we 10, could just 30, cruise, cruise through customs and borders. Just drive through. We got there and we thought, oh, it's going to be no problem. So it's the first non-Schengen country. I'm glad you said that because I can never say that word. I think I did. I say it right. Schengen, 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 Schengen. Anyway, the point was, it was a border with actual people and cars stopping and documents being checked and we handed over our passports and smiled and put on our thickest British accents and uh, do a lovely motor car, isn't it? Um, at which point they weren't having any of it. What they wanted was the original V5 document for the car. So we had a photocopy of the V5, but we didn't have the original so document. they didn't believe that these two sweaty, unshaven, <laughs> unshowered blokes covered in crumbs in their laps owned a brand new Aston Martin, what, which yeah. wasn't even out yet. That's the thing, and it's like so early. I'm sort of on the Croatian police side here. I think you would have looked like a couple of robins. Yeah. And, and you know, when you think, you know, when you sort of hit adversity and you kind of go, "This is, this is quite stressful," but just deep down, you think, "I'm a positive guy. We're going to get through it." 
there's going to be a document or someone's going to be able to email something. It was literally, there's no way through this. You're not coming into Croatia, like full stop with that car. Unless you drive back to Aston to Gaydon, pick up the original V5 document and drive back here, you're not coming in. Um, at which point, we basically had to retreat back into Slovenia. To Ljubljana. Uh, to Ljubljana. And then this is where your brain is just constantly looking for plan Bs, Cs, Ds, Es, Fgs. And we're like, do we leave the car in the underground car park, fly back to the UK, grab the V5, fly back to Ljubljana, grab it and then go through. And this, the- is, this, is, what this, is, this is the point now where Rowan, um, to be fair, both of us are quite cross, but Rowan fully lost it and was just like, I can't. I was um, like, this is just not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> and then Jack goes, huh, Hungary's not in the uh, Schengen zone. Let's drive round Croatia. Yeah. So then we had to wake up the next morning and then drive to Budapest. Yeah. The irony of this new and exciting plan that I, I came up with on the back of a napkin was, uh, uh, yes, we avoided Croatia. We still didn't know what the, the border of Hungary was going to look like. And it added about another 600 miles to the to the trip. Which wasn't very appetizing. But also, you just then had just the anxiety that when you're going to get the next border, they're going to say no, no go. Yeah. So we got into Hungary, yeah, to Budapest, and then we went to Romania. Romania was good, wasn't it? Romania is mad. Like you literally just knock on the door of the 15th century as soon as you pass through <laughs> it. I've never seen a mono brown like kid that had it there and then oh, you yeah. see puppy sales and everyone's on oh, there's donkeys there's a guy just selling a there's like a crate of puppies looking back on it we should have just bought them all to set them free yeah is um, this where an excellent example of the drift cornering shot was taken because oh, yeah. there is a fabulous shot which is notable not just for you know a very nice bit of opposite lot going on Jack but the fact that a forehead appears to be driving the car <laughs> All you can see from the angle, you're sat so low in this Aston. You must have the seat right on the deck and you can just see your head poking above, your, your forehead. There's no eyes visible. I, d- I do have just, a sizable forehead. It's just, um, sorry, it is, uh, see, it's a lovely it shot. I've forgotten about that. Do you know what I think that was? That's I Bulgaria think, because I think, there was a Bulgaria? special... Bulgaria? Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, then we had to go to Bulgaria, obviously. Um, and we, we were meeting up <laughs> with the, t- the team in... Uh, yeah, Top Gear Bulgaria, shout out. Which I can't remember whether Serbia was first or whatever. We were just ticking them off so quickly but we had to meet the, the team from um, Top Gear Bulgaria to help us with a cover shot just to be able to drive another car so we could photograph Deep 11 but on the way they said we know this fantastic mountain road we went there and it was like the epoxy resin surface that you get at, like a Porsche it, experience centre um, it wasn't for like a, the drifts like skid pan yeah, and zero friction oh like an indoor kart circuit like kind a of friction thing. it was literally it was so weird because what it looked like in front of you was pretty nicely freshly laid tarmac yeah a little sheen to it admittedly but what you were effectively driving on was ice and then and, you have a bleary eyed man in a brand, brand new Aston Martin with 600 horsepower. Oh, it's the best bit. Charging onto it. It's the best bit because you know me, I'm no, I'm no Ollie Marriage, but drifting fully on the lock stops at 20 miles an hour. That's me. That's, that's my, that's my wheelhouse. But his confidence was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, all right, we've got this far. Yeah. This is not the time to have a whoopsie of any kind. Yeah. So anyway, we got the, the, the weather was great. The boys were great in from the Bulgarian team. And then we went to Do you remember the gifts they gave us, the parting gifts? No, I can't remember much about this uh, time in my life. Wine. 
Just lots of wine. Good luck on your uh, enormous road trip that you still have hundreds of miles left. Have some wine. And we thought that would be good. But what I do remember was the advice that they gave us where they said, do not screw around in Greece with speeding. They said Mm. they will impound the car. They will just, you you get pulled over. They'll rip off the number plates and then you've got a lot of bother. And we said, don't worry. Look, we've come this far. We have absolutely no interest in getting nicked at the, you know, the final hurdle. We just need to get to Athens, get this flight home, say that we've done it sign it all off we basically wanted a, a shot with a car at the acropolis but before that rowan you did a little driving stint didn't well you? no we got to the greek border and it, the elation after three days of just like hopping borders and getting through will we get through where we go as soon as we got to the greek one it was very busy and we thought oh god they're pulling cars over are we going to have more bother here and then they waved us through. We're like, yes, we've made it. We can get to Athens. Yeah. I was driving at the time. I thought, no, no problem. Eight kilometers in, yeah. the advice from our Bulgarians of do not mess around with speeding, do not do this, pulled over by the police. And um, basically, Done. they had they did a sting trap because mm. we were on a normal motorway and they we had been warned about these by the Bulgarians, where it's 130 kilometers. And then they randomly just drop it down to 50 kilometers or 80 kilometers and then for a stint. And they'll have a camera there and then they'll nab you and they'll pull you over. So I got done at 130, which was, and there was no one else on the road and it's 130, but it's 80. Pulled us over and then they said, ah, that's a thousand euro fine. And we went, ah, no, really? And How went, did this happen? Yes, we will escort you to a cash point now. And we're thinking, Ooh. oh, dear. And then they said, oh, oh, then it's always good when the police officer's interested in the car. You're like, sir, would you like to have a sit in it? And then they were like, his mate wasn't wanting to sit in this guy. I was like, yeah, I'll have a sit in. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, like, oh, it must be really hard to drive this. So like, you have no idea. You have no idea how hard it is to drive at the speed, yeah. at the speed limit. And then they're like, all right, fine. Then they knock the fine down, knock the fine down, knock the fine down. And uh, what, what did we get it down to? 100 euros or something. Yeah. And then they said, oh, make here's, sure you go to the ticket. police station now. Yeah. And we said, yeah, of course. Anyway, then there's obviously other parts of the story. Whether we made it to the police station or not is another story. <laughs> uh, but then there was the airport that we were leaving the car at. Um, so we then got to the centre of Athens and went to the most touristy part you can to get the kind of postcard picture where we ended up having to drive it up a pedestrian path <laughs> with people selling postcards and key rings and Greek gods and urns and stuff. I said, excuse me, excuse me. And then we just looked absolutely screwed by yeah. the end of it. But we had made it to our destination. Yeah. So you were bedraggled, but the car was fighting fit at this point. And you need to tell us about the stickers on the back, how oh, you yeah. were keeping oh, track yeah. of well, the, that was uh, our sort what countries of... you've been to. Well, the idea behind that was, yeah, a so we could remember which countries we've been to because our brains were so addled yeah but also something a bit visual that kind of um travel loggy feel for the for the photos so as the feature goes on the stickers accumulate and as you can see we put them on beautifully nice and straight it's a real patchwork all over the (laughs) absolutely gorgeous uh, rear Uh, end of this db11 yeah i mean those stickers are probably still attached they were very cheap Um, (laughs) or they definitely left behind some pretty nasty residue yeah yeah, behind them but it was look the, the 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 car was it's actually an interesting car to talk about the db11 but it was a very exciting car. It was, it was, it was on the cover of the magazine. Um, a reinvention, a new, new, another new beginning for Aston Martin. I actually, I actually felt the feature was quite balanced. It, it's not going to go down as one of the great Aston Martins. It was a, you know, this, this lovely big talky V12 engine, which is never not going to be 
pleasant. The gearbox was okay. I think it was it it, it wasn't. It needed some finessing. Felt like that chassis. Felt like they're giving it that much power in that chassis because they needed to be seen to keep up with yeah. Ferrari. Sure. What they were doing yeah, with yeah, the yeah. F12. F12. Yeah, not because that was the optimum amount of power it could handle. But also, mm. yeah, I think we ran one as long-term and changing the tyres had big effects on it. And then mm. they, they kept finessing and finessing it. And then they made that AMR version, which kind of got it where it was over the performance. But what we were doing, we weren't doing big performance-based stuff. We were sitting on motorways yeah. trying to do 4,000 kilometres in four days. And for that, it was a great place yeah, to be. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Apart from the one little hiccup at the start, but then it was reliable. But, um, you know, we gave it some leeway because it's not. it wasn't a full production car. But, you know, who, who would have thought it? Actually doing a Grand Tour in a GT, you know. We always talk about these cars and, and um, oh, yes, the ex- ex- driving to the south of France in one hit. It's, like it's very romantic, isn't it? That it. idea of just pointing the nose at the horizon and mm. just letting the V12 burble <laughs> away. But actually, when you think about, yeah, the distances mm. involved and the hours you must spend at the wheel, and there's photos of you guys here where there's charging cables trailing all over the interior oh, and mess. spent cans and paperwork and passports. And, you yeah, once it, you've been in even the most beautifully appointed and well made designed cabin for that many hours i think you could start to find it pretty tiresome yeah, it's it's lucky that you can't you don't get smell through a photograph because mm. that would have been a particularly pongy db pongy one but what it did show and it's it's, it's quite fitting in the last paragraph too is just how good uh, you know and liberating a road trip like that is mm. a, and the, the, it was fascinating seeing europe in that uh, mm. severely condensed amount of time and yeah. how cultures societies visuals just change could, hour by hour could we do that same trip today no well you could technically but there will be uh, you know we had one severe border uh, malfunction there would be you know, we'll a lot be, of croatian we'll waiting at moments. every single border now we'll have to have carnets we'll have to do visas bits and pieces yeah. which is the, yeah. you know now when we were doing this story we hadn't even begun negotiations for brexit uh now we're fully out of the eu and uh, yeah we're having to deal with consequences of those actions it's uh, trickier isn't it to do the old romantic road trip exactly but if you can go and do it it doesn't you don't need a db11 you know the countries that we went through and the roads that we drove on are just something that everyone, if you can, go and do it. I would recommend not doing it all in one go like we did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, space it out and have a bit of a holiday. But um, yeah, it was a, a trip to remember. I can't really believe, especially like post-pandemic, yeah. that we used to do stuff like and, this. Really. And I think the biggest lesson for me, um, I mean, this this is a really useful tool for a, for a car journalist, is that it's good to plan. Like, to, don't, don't, don't get out there with absolutely zero plan. But have flexibility in it you know stuff's going to go wrong um you may decide you want to go and see something else it's it's absolutely fine to change to change your plans on the hoof and actually when you do that that's where the adventure you know we look back on this our best story really is getting it's getting locked out of croatia yeah we didn't and want to go to croatia anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that was all part of the plan um but but you know don't don't be afraid get out there um you just got to go and just go, go and do it, really. And we were in a lovely Aston Martin, but equally you could be in a, um, a, a you know, Fiat Panda and it would be just as fun. And, yeah. uh, you know, we're coming up soon to Aston Martin rumoured to be replacing the DB11 with yeah, something I else. didn't know it was this old. Story seven years ago, yeah. right? So, yeah, I still think of the DB11 as kind of, that's not been around long, but, yeah, that's now ripe for it to be replaced, I guess. Okay, so how do we, how do we follow this trip up um, in a, 
DB12 or whatever it'll be called. We do it again, but we just see how much longer it'll take because of uh, all the paper. <laughs> that we bring the V5 yeah. this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. All right. Well, um, I hope that was uh, good fun. It was. I feel exhausted recounting that, um, but um, great fun. Great fun. And we need to do more of those road trips, bro. Uh, big adventures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you get onto Google and just type in across Europe in an Aston Martin DB11, thanks to the wonders of putting a magazine online you can read this story and yeah relive jack's sadomasochistic streak on talkgate.com but there's also some very early doors video which is quite interesting where you see where the production is now but we just basically had our iphones basically just to to, to document our misery more than anything else at times of of, of need Uh, but yeah there's a full video um, of it too in slightly shaky handy cam watch jack age in real time on (laughs) (laughs) talkgate.com It's safe to say our production values have gone up since mm. then on the video front. Massively so. Yeah, okay. All right, well, um, hope that was fun. Um, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. <laughs>